Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean. Today we're going to read Exodus chapter 12 and Matthew chapter 26 verses or 26 through 28, uh, which is kind of the tradition that we've had over the last few years for Passover. And so earlier this week, we worked through the little booklet that I created last year. Um, and uh, I think we did that on Monday. And so today we're going to read the very first Exodus. or <laughs> we're re- We are reading out of the book of Exodus, but we're reading the very first Passover story. And, the, you know, the part that always kind of sticks with me is that part where the Israelites just always had to be ready, always had to be prepared to go during that Passover, like make sure you eat it with your shoes on and your staff in hand. In other words, this is picture be ready because God's getting ready to do something and you need to be ready to act, be ready to move at the drop of a dime, right? So that part always just kind of, I don't know why that, that, that just always is speaking to me. And then of course we have the most important Passover, the, the lamb, the spotless lamb, without blemish, who took our sin and the wrath of God so that we could be saved, so that we could be passed over from the judgment that we all deserve. And so that's what we're going to be looking at today, reflecting on today. So we do have a lot of reading to get through. Um, so I'm going to try to keep commentary on on the low. Uh, that way we can just focus on the Word of God. And I just, I just ask you to open up your ears, open up your hearts. Um, try to receive or hear things that maybe you haven't heard before. Sometimes we, when we read something that we've, we've read the story several times or we've heard the story several times, we kind of gloss over and we miss the little things that God might be wanting to reveal to us today and this time through the story. So, let's memorialize Passover by reading the Passover story, which was custom, Exodus chapter 12. And then deeply reflecting on Matthew 26 through 28, which is where all of our faith hangs, right? The death, burial, and resurrection of Messiah is the Christian faith, and without it, we are to be pitied, Paul says. All right, enough introduction. Let's dig right in. Exodus chapter 12, I'm going to read from the King James Bible. Verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the feast month of the year to you, first month of the year to you. Speak you unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, 
a male of the first year, you shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. And you shall keep it up until the fourteenth day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. Something I feel like I should notice that we kind of maybe gloss over or miss is that they actually had to care for the lamb for a while. Right, You had to bring it into your house and, and care for it. And I think that the purpose of that was to grow an attachment to it. Just like if you bring any, you bring a cat or a little puppy or something into your house, you know, after a few days, the family starts to love it and to, and to get attached to it. Uh, because the, I think it's the significance of of the sacrifice, right? And it says, and it says, um, your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year, and you shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it up until the fourteenth day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. Verse seven, and they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts on the upper door post of the house, wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread. And with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw, nor sodden at all with water, but roast it with fire, his head with his legs, with the puritans thereof. And ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning, and that which remaineth until the morning ye shall burn with fire. And thus shall ye eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, your staff in your hand, and ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. So there's that verse. There's several things that you're supposed to do here. You're supposed to eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet. Your staff in your hand, so they, these are all like clothing, right? And eat it in haste, which means eat it quickly. It is the Lord's Passover. Verse 12, For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and will smite all the firstborn of the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. You see, to avoid being part of the judgment, you have to be covered by the blood. Continuing on, And this day shall be unto you for a memorial, and ye shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. Ye shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. Seven days shall you eat unleavened bread. Even the first day you shall put away leaven out of your house. For whosoever eateth leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off from Israel. And in the first day there shall be a holy convocation. And in the seventh day there shall be a holy convocation to you. No manner of work shall be done in them, save that which every man must eat, that only may be done of you. And ye shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, for it is the selfsame day I have brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore ye shall observe this day in your generations by an ordinance forever. 
in the first month on the fourteenth day of the month at evening. You shall eat unleavened bread until the one and twentieth day of the month at even. Seven days shall there be no leaven found in your houses, for whosoever eateth that which is leavened, even that soul shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he be a stranger or born in the land. By the way, you see Paul in the New Testament kind of refer to leaven as sin, right? And we see that theme in, in the New Covenant Scriptures, you know, a little bit of leaven is all it takes, right, to ruin the whole loaf. And so it's this idea of you got to be covered by the blood, you're getting sin out of your life, you've got your shoes on, your staff in your hand, you're ready, right? You're prepared to be called out. 21. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said unto them, Draw out and take you a lamb according to your families and kill the Passover. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike the lintel on the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning. So it's kind of like, uh, almost like what Isaiah says, right? Hide yourself as it was for a little moment. Enter into your chamber, right? Until the indignation, the wrath of God be overpassed because he is coming out of his place to judge the inhabitants of the earth for the lord will pass through to smite the egyptians and when he seeth the blood upon the lintel and on the two side posts the lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come in unto your houses to smite you and you shall observe this thing for an ordinance to thee and to thy sons forever Another note, I realized I said I wasn't going to try to do much commentary, so we're probably going to really extend the time on this. I just, it's just sometimes it's kind of hard to imagine, right? Like, this destroyer, this death angel, if you will, moves through Egypt, striking all the firstborn, and the animals, by the way. And only those who's covered in the blood were spared. And it's just this incredible thing that takes place. And then you have these incredible plagues on Egypt and this great, just miracles, right? You know, Habakkuk tells God, I've heard of these stories of you. Do it in my day, right? Do it in our day. You know, I, I say that we weren't born into this generation by accident. God has chosen us to live at this time. And I wonder, are we going to be one of those generations, one of the few generations in the history of humanity to see, to be a witness of God's great miracles here on earth? Could we see these crazy things take place in this mighty hand, in this mighty wing of protection over his people and just... Could we be witnesses to such miracles in our day? Do we want that? Or do we want to just go on with our comfortable lives? Anyway. 
Verse 24, And ye shall observe this thing for an ordinance to thee and to thy sons forever. And it shall come to pass, when ye be come to the land which the Lord will give you, according as he hath promised, that ye shall keep this service. And it shall come to pass, when your children shall say unto you, What mean ye by this service? That ye shall say, It is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt. And when he smote the Egyptians and delivered our houses, and the people bowed the head and worshipped. And the children of Israel went away and did as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. So they did. And it came to pass that at midnight the Lord smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his house, or sat on his throne, unto the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of cattle. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, and he and his servants and the Egyptians. And there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was none, there was not a house where there was not one dead. And he called for Moses and Aaron by night, and he said, Rise up, get you forth from among my people, both ye and the children of Israel, and go, serve the Lord as you have said. Also take your flocks and your herds as you have said, and be gone, and bless me also. And the Egyptians were urgent upon the people that they might send them out of the land in haste, for they said, We be all dead men. And the people took their dough before it was leavened, their needle troughs being bound up in their their kneading troughs being bound up in their clothes upon their shoulders. And the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses, and they borrowed from the Egyptians jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they lent unto them such things as they required, and they spoiled the Egyptians. You see, not only did God provide a way out of Egypt, they left Egypt with all of Egypt's stuff. I mean, it's incredible. And the children of Israel journeyed from Ramaris to Sukkot, about 600,000 on foot, that were men besides children. And a mixed multitude went up also with them, and the flocks and herds, even very much cattle. And they baked unleavened cakes of the dough which they had brought forth out of Egypt, for it was not leavened, because they were thrust out of Egypt and could not tarry. Neither had they prepared for themselves any victual. Now the sojourning of the children of Israel who dwelt in Egypt was four hundred and thirty years. And it came to pass, at the end of four hundred and thirty years, even the selfsame day, it came to pass that all the host of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. It is a night to be much observed unto the Lord for bringing them out from the land of Egypt. This is that night of the Lord to be observed of all the children of Israel in their generations. The Lord said unto Moses and Aaron, This is the ordinance of the Passover, there shall no stranger eat thereof. But every man's servant that is brought, bought for money, when he has circumcised him, then shall he eat thereof. A foreigner and a hired servant shall not eat thereof. In one house shall it be eaten, thou shalt not carry forth aught of the flesh abroad out of the house, neither shall ye break a bone thereof. All the congregation of Israel shall keep it. And when a stranger shall sojourn with thee, and keep the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised, and then let him come near and keep it. And it shall be as one that is born in the land, for no uncircumcised person shall eat thereof. 
One law shall be to him that is homeborn, and unto the stranger that sojourneth among you. Thus did all the children of Israel, as the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron, so did they. And it came to pass, the selfsame day, that the Lord did bring the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt by their armies. And that is Exodus chapter 12. And it doesn't matter how many times I've read that story. There's just power in that story. There's power. There's hope. There's all sorts of things that come from this. So many topics that we could talk about throughout that. So many things to be addressed. All right. Let's move on. Now we're going to refocus to the most important Passover. Matthew chapter 26 through 28. A lamb without spot, a lamb without blemish, the Lord Jesus. Let's begin. And it came to pass, when Jesus had finished all these sayings, he said unto his disciples, Ye know that after two days is the feast of Passover, and the Son of Man is betrayed to be crucified. Then assembled together the chief priests and the scribes and the elders of the people unto the palace of the high priest who was called Caiaphas, and consulted that they might take Jesus by subtlety and kill him. But they said, Not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar among the people. And when Jesus was in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, there came unto him a woman having an alabaster box of very precious ointment, and poured it on his head as he sat at meat. But when his disciples saw it, they had indignation, saying, To what purpose is this waste? For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. When Jesus understood it, he said unto them, Why trouble ye the woman? For she, for she hath wrought a good work upon me. For ye are the poor always with you, but me ye have not always. For in that she hath poured this ointment on my head, she did it for my burial. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this, that this woman hath done, be told for a memorial for her. Then one of the twelve, called Judas a scarlet, went unto the chief priest, and he said unto them, what will you give me, and I will deliver him unto you? And they covenanted with him for thirty pieces of silver. And from that time he sought opportunity to betray him. Now, the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying unto him, Where wilt thou that we prepare for thee to eat the Passover? And he said, Go into the city to such a man, and say unto him, The master saith, My time is at hand, I will keep the Passover at thy house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had appointed them, and they made ready the Passover. Now, when the evening was come, he sat down with the twelve. And as they did eat, he said, Verily I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. And they were exceedingly sorrowful, and began every one of them to say unto him, Lord, is it I? And he answered, and he said, He that dippeth his hand with me in this dish, the same shall betray me. 
The Son of Man goeth as it is written of him, but woe unto that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It had been good for that man if he had not been born. Then Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? And he said unto him, Thou hast said. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it, and brake it, and gave it to the disciples, and he said, Take and eat, this is my body. And he took the cup, and he gave thanks, and he gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remissions of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. I just want to note real quick that it seems to me that the most ideal time to celebrate communion would be Passover. Like, that's what happened at Passover. It's, it just seems lost on so many. Let's continue. Verse 30. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus saith unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night, for it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. But after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. Peter answered, and he said unto them, Though all men be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this night, before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. Peter said unto him, Though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Likewise also said all the disciples. Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane. And he saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and very heavy. And then he saith unto them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. I just want to note that in the devotional book, The End of Day, a 30-day devotional, I talk about this this issue here about watching and the importance of watching and staying and paying attention. Okay, let's continue on. And he went a little further and he fell on his face and he prayed saying, Oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh to the disciples and he findeth them asleep. And he saith unto Peter, What, could ye not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And that's the important line that I address in the book. Jesus says, watch and pray. Why? Because if you don't watch and pray, you might enter into temptation. Because why? You're not paying attention. Why? Because even though the spirit is willing to do the right thing, the flesh is weak. If you let yourself be distracted by the trinkets of this world... If you refuse to watch for Messiah and pay attention, you're going to get caught off guard. You're going to get led astray. You're going to get distracted. Yes, your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. You have to watch and pray. Let's continue on. Verse 42, And he went away for the second time and prayed, saying, O Father, if this cup may not pass away from me except I drink it, thy will be done. 
And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them, and he went away again, and he prayed a third time, saying the same words. Then cometh to he to his disciples, and he saith to them, Sleep on now, and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. Behold, he is at hand that doth betray me. And while he yet spake, lo, Judas, one of the twelve, came, and with him a great multitude with swords and staves from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now he that betrayed him gave them a sign, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, that same as he, hold him fast. And forthwith he came to Jesus, and he said, Hail, Master, and kissed him. And Jesus said unto him, Friend, wherefore art thou come? Then came they, and they laid hands on Jesus, and took him. And behold, one of them which were with Jesus stretched out his hand, drew his sword, and struck the servant of the high priest, and smote off his ear. Then said Jesus unto him, Put up again thy sword into its place, for all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. Thinkest thou I cannot now pray to my father, and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels? Now we know from the other Gospels that we're dealing with Peter here. And you got to give it to Peter, right? He, he just said, Lord, even if I have to die, I'm not going to betray you. They come to take Jesus, and what does Peter do? He draws a sword, and he says, let's do this, right? Let's dance. And he starts swinging the sword, and he cuts a guy's ear off. The issue here is that that's interrupting God's plan. And so Jesus is saying, hey, Put the sword away. Number one, though, if you live by it, be prepared to die by it, because that's going to be the result. Number two, do you not think that I can't just call down a legion of angels if I need to or wanted to? Are you forgetting, Peter, who has the power, who has the authority? He says, do you not think that I can call more than 12 legions of angels? Verse 54, but how then shall the scriptures be fulfilled? That must that thus it must be. He's saying, Don't you get it? I've been telling you guys for a long time. I just told you this morning I'm gonna be crucified. You saw the girl pour their oil on my head. I told you I'm being anointed for burial. You guys aren't getting it. <laughs> Verse fifty five And in that same hour said Jesus to the multitudes, Are you come out against a thief with swords and staffs for to take me? I sat daily with you teaching in the temple, and ye laid no hold on me. But all this was done, that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. And they that laid hold on Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were assembled. But Peter followed him afar off into the high priest's palace and went in and sat with the servants to see the end. Again, we always talk about Peter's failure, but look at what he's done up to this point. He's tried to fight for the Lord. Unlike the other disciples, he's following the Lord. Verse 59, Now the chief priests and the elders and all the council sat, sought false witnesses against Jesus to put him to death. But they found none, yea, though many false witnesses came, yet found they none. 
At the last came two false witnesses, and they said to his fellow, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. And the high priest arose and said unto him, Answerest thou nothing? What is this which the witnesses against thee? But Jesus held his peace, and the high priest answered and said unto him, I adjure thee by the living God that thou tellest whether thou be the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus saith unto them, Thou hast said. Nevertheless, I say unto you, Hereafter ye shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest rent his clothes, saying, He has spoken blasphemy. What further need have we of witness? Behold, now ye have heard his blasphemy. What think ye? They answered and said, He is guilty of death. Then did they spit in his face and buffeted him, and others smote him with the palms of their hands, saying, Prophesy unto us, thou Christ, who is he that smote thee? Now Peter sat without the palace, and a damsel came unto him, saying, Thou also was with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied it before them all, saying, I know not what thou sayest. And when he has gone out into the porch, another maid saw him and said unto him, Them that were there, This fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. And again he denied it with an oath, I do not know the man. And after a while came unto him they that stood by and said to Peter, Surely thou art also one of them, for thy speech betrayeth thee. Then began he to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man. And immediately the cock crew. And Peter remembered the word of Jesus, which said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out, and he wept bitterly. And so here we go. He was so brave up to this point. But now that Jesus is being beaten and he sees where this is going, now he's denying that he even knows Jesus. Even to the point where he's throwing out curses and stuff to just emphasize that he's clearly not one of them. Then the cock crows and he remembers what Jesus said and he goes out and weeps bitterly. Two more chapters. We're ready for chapter 27 here. When the morning was come, all the chief priests and the elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. Then Judas, which had betrayed him when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I have sinned, and that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? See thou to that. Notice that. Notice the reason why Judas repents, right? It says, Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. The chief priest took the silver pieces and said, It is not lawful for to, for to put them into the treasury because it is the price of blood. Isn't this amazing? These people, they're like, they have no problem spending 30 pieces of silver to condemn a person 
that they just need to get out of their way. But then they're going to be all religious about the money when it comes back saying, oh, we can't use this because that's against the law. Verse 7, And they took counsel and brought, bought with them the potter's field to bury strangers in. Wherefore, that field was called the field of blood unto this day. Then was filled that which was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, And they took thirty pieces of silver and the price of him that was valued, whom they of the children of Israel did value, and gave it for the potter's field, as the Lord appointed me. And Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Art thou king of the Jews? And Jesus said unto him, Thou sayest. And when he was accused of the chief priests and the elders, he answered nothing. Then said Pilate unto him, Hearest thou not how many things they witness against thee? And he answered him, Never a word, insomuch that the governor marveled greatly. Now, at the feast, the governor was wont to release unto the people a prisoner whom they would. And they had then a notable pr prisoner called Barnabas. Alright, so just so you know, there's a tradition going on that on the feast of Passover, they Pilate would release a prisoner. Okay? Think about the story of the goat, the scapegoat, right? The one that's released... It's got, and then, and then the one who slaughtered, right? One slaughtered for the sins, one is released. Verse 17, Therefore, when they gathered together, Pilate said unto them, Whom will ye that I release unto you, Barabbas or Jesus, which is called Christ? For he knew that for envy they had delivered him. And when he sat down the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, saying, Have thou nothing to do? With that just man, for I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the multitude that they would ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus. And the governor answered and said unto them, Whether of the twain will ye that I release unto you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate saith unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? And they say unto him, Let him be crucified. And the governor said, Why, what evil hath he done? But they cried out the more, saying, Let him be crucified. And when Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but rather a tumult was made, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See ye to it. Then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and our children. By the way, that's an important statement because his blood would be on them and their children. And Jerusalem would be absolutely annihilated in 70 AD and the temple would be brought down, not a stone left upon the other. Blood would run in the streets. Continuing on, verse 26. Then released he Barabbas unto them. And when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered unto him a whole band of soldiers, and they stripped him and put him a scarlet robe. And they went plaited a crown of thorns, they put it on his head, and a reed in his hand, and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And he spit upon him and took the reed and smote him on the head. And after they had mocked him, they took the robe off from him and put his own raiment on him and led him away to crucify him. And as they came out, they found a man of Criney, 
Simon by name. Him they compelled to bear the cross. And when they were come unto a place called Golgotha, that is to say, a place of the skull, they gave him vinegar to drink mingled with gall, and when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. And they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. And sitting down, they watched him there, and set up over his head an accusation written, This Jesus, the King of the Jews. And there were two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand and another on the left. And they passed by, reviled him, wagging their heads and saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it up in three days, save thyself. If thou be the Son of God, come down off the cross. Likewise also the chief priests mocking him, and with the scribes and elders said, He saved others, himself he cannot save. If he be king of, the Is if he be king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusted in God, let him deliver him now, if he will have him, for he said, I am the Son of God. The thieves also, which were crucified with him, cast the same in his teeth. Now from the sixth hour there was darkness all over the land, unto the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama safkanani. That is to say, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood there when they heard that said, This man calleth for Elias. And straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. The rest said, Let it be. Let us see whether Elias will come to save him. By the way, this is incredible. These people don't... These people just want their own power. It's no different than the world today and religious leadership today. Look at this. Part of them thinks that he might actually be the Messiah. Because they're like, whoa, 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 leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah actually comes. It's incredible. Verse 50. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent twain from the top to bottom, and the earth did quake. And the rocks rent. And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose. And came out of the graves after his resurrection, and went into the holy city, and appeared unto many. You know, this is a part of the story I don't remember hearing in my early years of Christianity. That the graves were opened at this time. And then after the resurrection of Christ... They all walked through the city. So the, the people in Israel at that time would have seen people, who, saints who had already died, resurrected. It's, it's amazing. The graves were opened and the bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. Verse 54. Now, when the centurion that was there with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake... And those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, Truly this was the Son of God. And many women were there beholding afar off, which followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering unto him, and among which was Mary Magdalene, and Mary the mother of James, and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's children. When 
When the evening was come, there came a rich man of Arithmia named Joseph, who also himself was Jesus' disciple. And he went to Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be delivered. And when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it on his own new tomb, which he had hewn out of the rock and rolled against a great stone to the door of the sepulcher and departed. And there was Mary Magdalene and the other Mary sitting over against the sepulcher. Now the next day that followed the day of the preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees came together unto Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember that deceiver said, While he was yet alive, after three days I will rise again. You know what's interesting that it just struck me? Is the disciples who was with Jesus, hearing him say all this stuff, it's like that they glossed over that. They forgot about that. But these demons remembered it. Right? They remembered that he said he was going to rise again. So they go to Pilate and are like, hey, this guy said he was going to rise again. Verse 64, Command, therefore, that the sepulcher be made sure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and seal him away and say to the people, He has risen from the dead, so that the last error shall be worse than the first. And Pilate said unto them, Ye have a watch, go your way, make it as sure as ye can. So they went, and they made the sepulcher sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch. Alright, chapter 28, 20 more verses, and then we're done with our reading for today. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to draw toward the first day of the week, came Mary and Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. It's important to note uh, the timing here. And this is how we know that it was Sunday morning. It was the first day of the week because it clearly spells it out that the Sabbath had ended and it was the first day of the week. And now the women are coming to the sepulcher to do the things that they didn't have time to do beforehand because of the fact that it was the Sabbath and they just couldn't do it. Okay, so he, so yeah, that's when he, he would have been buried on this, he would have rose again on Sunday, the first day of the week. Now, I will admit that I find it confusing, so we know he rose on Sunday. He said that no sign would be given except the sign of Jonah, and just like Jonah was in the belly of the whale for three days and three nights, so would he, the son of man be in the heart of the earth. I don't know how we get three days or three nights out of Friday to Sunday morning, as the tradition says, right? It seems to me like it must have been more like he would have been crucified like on a Thursday. Either way, we can get caught up in those things and then we miss the point, right? We can argue about these little details and miss the point. What we do know for sure, because the scriptures clearly tell us, is that it was the end of the Sabbath, and it began to draw towards the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. Verse 2, And behold, there was a great earthquake. For the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. 
So this mighty angel shows up, rolls the stone away. The, the guards that are watching it are on their faces, playing dead. They're terrified. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that you seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, Come, see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell the disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There you shall see him. Lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulture with fear and great joy, and did run to bring his disciples' word. And as they went to tell the disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hail. Now, I highly doubt he said all hail. <laughs> right? He probably said, Shalom Aleichem, peace be upon you. But again, we're splitting hairs. I don't know. He greeted them. And they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. And then said Jesus unto him, Be not afraid. Go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee, and there they shall see me. Now when they were going, behold, some of the watch came into the city and showed unto the chief priests all the things that were done. And when they were assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, they gave large money unto the soldiers, saying, Say ye he that his disciples came by night and stole him away while he slept. So they're still scheming. They should be saying, Oh my gosh, what have we done? He's raised from the dead. There was a great angel that rolled away the stone. Clearly he was the son of God. We must repent. No, they're like, oh, we got to cover this up. Terrible. Verse 14. And if this come to the governor's ears, we will be persuaded him to secure you. So they took the money and did as they were taught, and saying this commonly reported among the Jews until this day. In other words, they're saying, so it went around that the disciples actually got him out of the tomb. Verse 16, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into the mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and he spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go you therefore, here's the great commission, and teach all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all the things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Well, there's our study for this morning, our Passover study. I pray in the powerful name of Jesus that you've been blessed by it today. I hope that it's pierced your heart. It's given you some things to think about. I like it if some questions have been raised, because questions cause people to dig and research. And one of my favorite things to do is not to answer questions, but to raise them. And I think that's the true mindset of a scholar, of someone who's, who wants to study God's word, is to not be afraid to ask questions. To not be so arrogant as to think we have it all figured out. If you have some questions about what you heard this morning, go dig it out. Go research it. It's only going to cause you to draw nearer to him. Thank you for joining me this morning. Peace and grace be with all of you. And until next time, God bless.